before we uh, dive into this uh, next session, you can, you can see on your, your packet there that we have a lot of material here to cover in 45 minutes. So um, I'm going to have to really keep my head down and talk fast. And just a, just a confession that when I get in that mode, head down in the notes, talking fast, sometimes it can come across kind of intense or insensitive or harsh. And we're talking about a very, very delicate subject here when it comes to disciplining our children. Um, so I want to assure you that that harshness is not in my heart. Um, and I want to encourage us, if you, if you could just plug this away for, for the next 45 minutes as I talk, that it is really incumbent upon us as parents that our hearts are, are marinating, if you will, uh, that they're, they're steeping in, in love and grace and patience and kindness and respect for our children, right? Um, it, such a delicate subject. I, I, years ago, somebody told me what one of the most delicate, was a fellow pastor, said one of the hardest things I think I find in ministry, in personal ministry in my flock, is talking to people about parenting. Whether it's a personal conversation or teaching on it, people are very, very sensitive about their children, and I understand that is so. This is kind of a precarious thing to talk about parenting, and specifically to talk about uh, discipline. And so I want, if you would, if you can just consider... Um, this session and the things we're going to cover is kind of a, a very much an introductory primer or primer on, on discipline. Um, it, it's going to give you overarching, an overarching paradigm, if you will, uh, for discipline, but it's, it's, it's not going to answer a hundred or a, a thousand uh, scenarios that can happen in discipline and we all face as we're raising our kids, right? Um, there's just a lot of things that I'm just not able to, to, to cover um, scenarios and questions that could rise up. As Jeremy said, um, we'll have a Q&A time during the lunchtime. And um, even though I don't attend your flock, um, if, if you have questions or I, I say something that concerns you or you would like me to explain further, or if you just outright disagree with me, which is fine, I'm, I'm available. I, I would like to, I'll give you my phone number and we can talk, uh, my email. Um, if you want to buy me dinner, that would be great. Um, but we, we could talk about these things because I, I know that this is, is touchy and, and 40, talking for 45 minutes is such a major issue is, is a little bit scary actually. So I'm going to give you the skeleton and then encourage you with my skeleton to you put the meat on the bones. You put uh, the you seek uh, what I'll say Solomonic wisdom, <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon, in all the different uh, situations you'll face in in disciplining your children from the the youngest from uh, the littlest toddler to the oldest teenager. And admittedly, a lot of this is going to be flavored toward the younger years, not so much the. The, the teenage years, but the younger years, but God can give you wisdom in sifting all of that out as well. Before we go, I just want to do um, mention three books. Uh, one, uh, Jeremy's already mentioned $5, by the way, for the Parenting with uh, Loving Correction. Wow. Uh, grab a hold of that book. Uh, again, book written on the subject. Steve's going to talk for 45 minutes. Um, another book, Don't 
Make Me Count to Three, uh, Ginger Plowman, excellent book as well on discipline. Um, heart, we're going to talk about this. We're reaching the heart of our children, not just outward conformity. We hate, Jeremy hit the sweet spot on that earlier. We need to have behavior conformity, but we want heart transformation. Yes, perfect. You know, we, I'm not just waiting for my kids to get saved before I expect them to obey. No, there's got to be uh, relational harmony and, and standards in the family, but ultimately we all agree we're after their hearts so they would know Jesus and live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What's going to matter most when my kids leave the nest, and I lived this six times, the biggest thing that mattered was when they left the nest that, Lord willing, they were going to follow Jesus because I'm not going to surveillance them anymore. I'm not going to be in any authority in that sense anymore, but God is. And, and so... Anyway, so I, I, I lean in this session is going to be more towards the younger years. And then I think most of you have heard this uh, book or read it yourself. Um, Ted Tripp, Paul Tripp's older brother. Ted Tripp's Shepherding a Child's Heart. Great section here on discipline. Um, I think all of these well-balanced, good resources. And it takes a lot longer than 45 minutes to read them. So, okay. Father, would you please help? me in this session and help my friends to glean what you would want us to glean as we talk about this important subject that's I know near and dear to you Lord in your heart in your written word and thus important to us help us God help us to glean what you want us to glean and if there is chaff that is spoken from this podium Lord that you'd blow it away in the minds of my friends here. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, head down. Here we go. The notes say in the introduction, our ultimate goal in biblical parenting, including our discipline, is to lead our sons and daughters to personal, authentic faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Parenthood is the ultimate evangelism and discipleship position our goal in discipline is not merely to produce compliant children. Biblical discipline is aimed at heart transformation, not mere behavior modification. Uh, I'll just insert there. Therefore, the biblical discipline is gospel-focused. And um, pardon me for using the word spanking. I'll make some clarification. But spanking scenarios are regular gospel opportunities. I'm not saying every time you would apply chastisement to your child that you have to go into a long explanation of salvation, but consistently, I would say, regularly, you are using correction scenarios to show your child once again their need for a savior so that they can be forgiven of their sin and empowered over their sin. Because if they're put in union with Jesus Christ, they will have power to be a slave of righteousness and not a slave to their flesh. So, going on in the notes there. Biblical discipline involves far more than spanking our children. However, in this lesson, I will be using the term discipline in a very narrow sense of correcting disobedience and giving negative consequences to your child. That is spanking or removal of privileges. So we're going to cover, um, hopefully answer, three important questions about disciplining children. Number one, why should we discipline our children? Number two, 
when should we discipline our children? And number three, how should we discipline our children? So, number one, why should we discipline our children? I'm going to give seven, what I consider to be seven biblical reasons why we should discipline our children, and you can embellish the list, add to it as you like. Number one, God commands your children to obey you. That's why you should discipline them. And you are commanded to discipline them when they don't obey. That's God's design. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother. So your children are commanded to obey and honor you. And on the flip side of that coin, you're commanded to discipline them when they don't. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. God's principles in Proverbs teach us that we should be disciplining our children. When your children, children disobey you, they are more importantly disobeying God. Parents undermine God's expectations when they allow their children to linger in disobedience. In other words, it is our responsibility to train our children in obedience because they don't come by it naturally. God is using us in their lives. Number two, second reason why we should discipline our children. It is the truly loving thing to do. Now, the world doesn't tell you that, right? The world calls correction. The world calls discipline, chastisement, uh, abuse. It, they would go so far as say it's hating your child. And the Bible, quite opposite, says it is love to discipline. You see somebody running off a cliff, running toward a cliff, you, the loving thing is to go and prevent them from running off the cliff. That's what biblical chastisement is doing, right? Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. That's, that's God's word. Remember last session we said our standard is, is the Bible? I got to get my mind on the Bible. The Bible tells me that my children are born in sin. They're bent toward disobedience. The loving thing to do is to enter into their lives and teach them to obey, to show them that there's consequences when they don't. Because later on in life, they're going to make decisions or they're going to be tempted to make decisions that are going to hurt them really bad when they're disobedient to God. They're going to hurt themselves really bad. So I'm going to lovingly try to teach them, you don't want to do that. Because my spanking, my, when I'm spanking my three-year-old or my four-year-old, boy, later on when they're 33 or 34, those spankings and lives hurt really bad. We'll get back to that in a moment. I'm way ahead of myself. It's truly the loving thing to do. God disciplines his children because he loves them. And again, the, the, the paradigm of, of discipline we're talking about here is loving, spirit-controlled, compassionate, discipline. It's not flying off the handle. It's not getting angry and being mad at them. It is loving. It's preventing them from running off the cliffs of sin. Number three, children are born sinners with foolishness bound up in their hearts. Discipline is one means, not the only means, one means of removing foolishness and training them 
in wisdom. This is so, this is so important. Um, why, are we, why are we gonna discipline? Because they have sin bound up in their hearts and God says one of the instruments he uses is, is the rod, is chastisement. Um, you say, the world doesn't believe this, right? Children are born good. Just give them a good environment. Give them an education, and they'll get better. No. Again, I quote again, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. We must get this in our minds, that children need to be rescued from themselves. They need to be taught about their sin nature so they can they need to know the bad news so that we can give them the good news of the gospel that can change their hearts, that can change them from the inside out. So this whole idea that children are born good is nonsense. I, you might have read this at some point along the way. I'm going to read it. It's called the Minnesota Crime Commission Report of 1926. Okay, this is a totally secular report from the police department in Minnesota in 1926. All right? These are just heathen that wrote this thing, okay? But listen to the, this. Every baby starts life as a little savage. This is a secular thing. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever. Deny him these things, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means, all, this means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. Well, I guess we've come a little ways in our culture. We don't hear that anymore. Uh, we hear quite the opposite. But interestingly enough, that's a fair uh, explanation of depravity. In my heart, I'm born separated from God, dead in my sin, with every propensity and ability to commit the most heinous of sins. I thought that I do commit all of them, but I could. There's an Adolf Hitler living in me, and I may not act like Hitler all the time, but if it's not uh, uh, squelched, I would. So our children are born sinners, and the rod of discipline can remove it. One of the instruments to remove it from me. Number four, why? Discipline, it provides excellent opportunities to share the gospel with them. This is so, so good. Discipline scenarios are a great way to show them their need for Jesus Christ to forgive their sin and empower their future obedience. Galatians chapter 3, 24 and 25 says that God's law is a tutor or a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. So it should be with our correction and chastisement. We should always be pointing our children to Jesus. I put in your notes there, our discipline should have a gospel focus, right? So we're not just trying to get in the, in the, in the moment, trying to get our kids in line to, to uh, adjust their behavior. 
No, we're going more than just that immediate circumstance. We really want them to understand that they have disobeyed God, not just us. They've disobeyed God. And the reason they've disobeyed God is because they have a heart that's against God and that they need Jesus to forgive their sin and give them a new heart. So I'm not saying, I, I want to be realistic. Life's busy. We had six kids. If, if we were going into like a half-hour evangelistic meeting with every use of the what we used to call the whacker, um, if we were, now it's the love spoon or whatever. Um, if, if, if we're doing a half-hour we get nothing else done in the day. So I want to be realistic. Not every discipline scenario is a full-on gospel presentation. But it's fair to say that over the course of a month or a year of discipline, our discipline is characterized by our children understanding their need for Jesus and, and, and calling them to repentance before God and embracing Christ as Savior. Is that fair enough? That's, that's balanced. Number five, fifth reason. This one, it teaches children the divine principle of sowing and reaping. Uh, Jeremy nailed it earlier. Jer Jeremy nailed everything earlier. But by the way, he nailed this. That, cons uh, that actions have consequences, right? Parents that are not disciplining their children are, are missing the boat on this. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. We're teaching our children the principle of sowing and reaping. This is for unbelievers. It's for believers. Decisions, choices have consequences. Behavior has consequences. Good behavior is going to be rewarded. Bad behavior is going to be discipline, chastise, and our kids learn that in our homes. Simple yet profound fact of life. And so, I would say both. I'm just going to insert here. Um, we're talking about discipline, so we're looking at the negative behavior, but might I encourage us as parents to be heavy on encouragement when our kids are walking in obedience, when they're making right choices? They should be getting praised by us. Uh, for, for those choices, right? We're not just a walking minus sign, we're a walking plus sign. Our kids, feel, boy, it's, it's, it's good, it's happy to obey. Um, and mommy and daddy are pleased when I obey. But when I disobey, they come alongside of me and they lovingly correct me. Oh, and there's pain, and we'll get to this in a moment. Ow, it hurts. Sin hurts. Where, do they, where are the children going to learn this? They're going to learn it from this. Sin hurts hurts and later on in life certain sin will hurt really bad so we're teaching the principle of sowing and reaping proverbs 13 the one who despises the word will be in debt to it but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death good understanding produces favor but the way of the treacherous is hard our kids need to learn that at home. The way, of the, the, the way of disobedience, defying God's laws, disobedience is hard. It's a hard path. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of the lazy, lazy is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. 
In other words, it's easier to travel on a smooth highway than a rugged trail, the rugged trail of sin. Obedience is a smooth highway. Again, we are teaching our children to avoid harder spankings later on in life. I'm going to pause right here before I go on to number six and just say something here. And this is going to be kind of maybe an hour, and I hope it doesn't apply to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Some parents neglect consistent chastisement because it's hard work. It takes a lot of time. What I'm presenting here in the realm of discipline is it's time-consuming. It's hard. It's not convenient. It's frustrating. It's difficult. It, it often makes our child mad at us, at least temporarily. You see, because I think in a lot of us as parents, we want to be our, par- our kids' friend before we're their parent. Now, all of for friendship. With par- I, I'm thankful I have six kids that are my, some of my best friends. But when they were growing up, I was parent first, friend second. And I know that that doesn't sound very politically correct. Ouch. But it's true. I was their parent first, friend second. I was a friend, but parenting over, I wasn't in a popularity contest with him. And I find that even parents, now this is for the older ones. I find in, in our uh, culture today, a lot of parents, as their kids get older, they want to be hip and cool and liked by their, you know. It's like, no, you still need to be a parent. You need to have to realm of common sense and, and make some hard choices. And I always wanted my kids to like me, but I, I had to love them before I wanted them to like me more. Um, and, and sometimes that's making some hard calls on stuff. And, and so... Uh, just accept, I, I, earlier in the first session I said, there's sacrifice in parenting that comes with the territory. This whole realm of discipline, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and I don't want to imply that it's a simple formula. This is not a little formula equation. Oh, you just discipline your kids for six months and they'll turn out. No, this is time over months and years, and it gets tiresome. But you keep doing it. Why would I keep doing it even when it doesn't seem like it's working? Because I, this guy in this last session, he said something like this. We parent by faith, not by sight. We do the right thing because it's the right thing. And we trust God to bring about the fruit, the results in his time. He's sovereign over that. So Steve, Maureen, keep doing the right thing, even when it's so difficult and frustrating. Number six. Children are to be trained to listen to and obey their parents are setting a good pattern or habit for listening to God and obeying God. This is a good reason to, to discipline. We, are, we talked about in our, in our home, children need to be tuned to listen to our voice, to listen to our commands. Why? Because we're training them ultimately to listen to God. We get them for a small fraction of their life on this earth. We get them for maybe 18, 20 years in our home. And then they're going to live the rest of their life outside our home. But we want, in those years we have them, we want to teach them to listen to the voice of God. And their training gowns in our house. And, and discipline is one of the ways we... We do that. Proverbs 4 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. 
Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Oh, that's good. Teaching our children to listen to God. Proverbs 15.5, a fool rejects a father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Proverbs 10.8, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. Wow, I don't want my kid, I don't want my son to be a babbling fool. I want to teach him to listen to my voice. And again, this isn't some dictatorial, harsh, despotic, I'm the master of my castle. No, this is... God's give me a responsibility, sweetheart, son. Give me a responsibility for you to learn to obey commands because that's the way of life for you. It's going to protect you from a thousand pitfalls in life. That's why I'm doing this. I don't, I hate spanking. I don't, who, who gets joy out of putting a kid over the, who, who likes that? I don't like it, but it's the right thing to do. And it's teaching them. And our children pick that up. Oh, daddy doesn't like to spank. But he does it because he loves me, cares for me. And he's here, I'm explaining these things at their age, appropriate age level. They're learning these. They're hearing this. Number seven, last reason on my list, add to it. But last reason why? It's because disobedient, unruly children will wear out parents. And they are not a joy to be around. This is kind of practical, quite frankly. Just a practical reality. It's hard work to discipline our children, but I would say it's much harder work to not discipline them. Um, You see a little, um, well, even when they're little, like three years old, if you're not disciplined, then they're just running riot. Um, That gets tiresome, uh, wearisome. But you add 10 years onto that. The little three-year-old that's not being disciplined and they're into stuff and they don't know how to accept no, they won't accept counsel, they just live their, the way they want, and they're never, then they're 13. Then they're 16, and they've got a driver's license. <whistles> not good. They wear you out, and they'll, they're not a joy to be around. I'm just going to put it bluntly. Nobody likes being around a spoiled brat. You've been around them. I've been around them. You want your children to be a blessing. That doesn't mean don't get your, all your identity from them. If your kids embarrass you at Costco, don't lose it. Don't get all tangled up over that. It happens to all of us. Um, but I'm just saying, as a, as a whole, as a characteristic, we want our children to be a blessing. And unruly children, undisciplined children, are a pain in the neck to people around them. And they, nobody says it because we're all learned to be, you know, but everybody's thinking it. You know, kids climbing the shelves at Costco, people are bugged by it. Um, we should be disciplining. And, and for my wife, I, I thought about this growing up. We, we, we chose, not everybody chooses, but we chose to homeschool our kids. And I just had in my mind, somebody instilled it really, really Steve, it's going to be really hard for your wife to have kids all day long if they're not disciplined. How are you going to get school done? How are you going to get the dishes done? I mean, so you've got to have discipline and orderliness there or else your wife is going to be frazzled. I mean, 
so just a practical point. That's why we discipline. Number two, switch gears here. That's how we, or why we discipline. Here's when we should discipline our children. Again, I'm going to keep my head down and go fast, so please listen fast here. I'm going to keep this very, very simple. Again, this is a primer. This is a primer. This is an overarching principle. You should discipline your children when they disobey in action or attitude your reasonable and clear instructions, standards, and expectations. Ted Tripp puts it bluntly. He says, if your child has not obeyed, he needs to be spanked. Here's a concise definition of obedience. We're talking about obedience and defiance. Obedience is quickly doing what I am told with a happy and submissive spirit. Our kids learn this. They memorize this phrase. Obedience is quickly doing what I am told with a happy and submissive spirit. This definition teaches prompt obedience, right actions, and a right attitude. All three pieces are important. If one piece is missing, they have disobeyed you. Prompt, actions, attitude. In your outline there, put train your children to obey you the first time. This, again, is very hard work. It is not easy. It is not for the faint of hard heart. Delayed obedience, friends, delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm going to read this from uh, Ted Tripp. He says, submission to authority means that your child will have to do things that he does not wish to do. You inevitably train your children in obedience. You may train them to obey you after you've yelled, pleaded, or threatened. You may train them to obey only when they wish to. You may not train them to obey at all. Even that is a type of training in obedience. I'll read another quote here in just a second. That uh, But I like that. We're training our children, either quick obedience or delayed or no obedience. Parents undermine God's expectations when they allow children to linger in disobedience. As God's children, we do not have the prerogative to delay our obedience to his commands. Remember, we are ultimately training our children to obey God, not us. So uh, here's another quote from Ted Tripp. He says, some parents argue it is a glory to overlook an offense as a justification for allowing some disobedience. They do not understand the issue. Obedience is, to parents is not a parent-child issue. If it were, the parent could be selective about when he wished to be obeyed. Obedience is not simply an issue between the parent and the child. It is an issue between the child and God, in which the parent is God, God's agent, in drawing the child back within the circle of blessing. It is not a glory to overlook offenses of that sort. End quote. So we're talking about obedience, prompt obedience, first-time obedience. Don't say to your child, come here, please, and then begin to count. One, two, three, 4,564, 700, no, no, 
If you do that, you're teaching them that they can delay their obedience. It is tolerating the child's natural tendency to disobey. Instead, explain to them that you expect them to come immediately when you call them the first time and call without counting and consistently spank them if they don't. And by the way, I, mean, I keep saying this. I know that, uh, I'm cautioned here. The word spank is in our culture is not, it's, it's a loaded term. It didn't used to be this way years ago, but it is. So you might want to use the word a consequence. I, I know some of our kids and they're training their kids, they don't use the word spank. They say you're going to get a consequence. You use the terminology if, that, that works for you, but I'm just using old school language and you, you can alter it. So consistently spank them if they don't obey. Again, I put on your outline, delayed obedience, partial obedience, external obedience without the right attitude are all examples of disobedience. Don't accept responses from your child like, do I have to? I don't want to, not right now, I'll do it later. These are all expressions of disobedience. Okay, I'm going fast here, on your outline here. Don't be a repeating parent. If you do that one more time, I'll, I'm telling you one last time. If you do it again, you'll get a spanking. Why not now? How many times has your child heard you say that without following through? Did you give good instruction? Did the child hear and understand it? Then follow through as promptly as possible. Otherwise, you will be training your child in intermittent obedience. Again, clear. We'll get this in a sec. Clear instruction. They clearly understood. They clearly understood and understand it. Two, don't be a threatening parent. Don't be a threat. Don't threaten your child with consequences that you're unable or unwilling to implement. This is a lot of another set of discipline. Parents are just threatened, you know. Um, things like, you know, Idle threats. You're on vacation, the kids are all fussing in the car and arguing, and you say something like, if you don't stop arguing, we're going to turn around and go home. You're not going to do that. I don't know any parent. I'm not going to ruin my vacation and take the kids home. So don't get, if you don't get in the car, we're going to leave you. Really? Now, I've been tempted to leave my kids places, but I'm not going to do it. So it's an idle threat. If you ever, I had my friend, I remember growing up, my friend, Mark Mazzula, across the street from me. His dad was mad at us. We had dug a big hole in his backyard. We were having, it was a mess. Anyway, his dad came out, I'm going to ground you for seven years. Like, really? It's not going to happen? Don't be a threatening parent. It's better to just do biblical chastisement. I wish you'd laugh a little bit. I thought that was funny. I mean, it's like, seven years, goodness. Um, don't be a shouting parent. That's on your outline. Don't be a shouting parent. Shouting should be reserved for communicating from a distance. Don't be a bribing parent. If you'll be a good boy in the store, I'll buy you a candy bar. That's bribery. And we need to understand the difference between a bribe and a reward. We should be rewarding parents. Rewards for achievements, occasionally for obedience, like, oh, you did really well. Thank you, son. Oh, we're so proud of you. Give the reward. I think we should be praising, heaping praise and such. But a bribe is for obedience. If you please be good, if you please, in your mind you're going, if you just don't embarrass me at church this morning, I'll give you a candy bar. No, don't be a bribing parrot. Set the standard for your kids. Be reasonable. Catch this, friends. This, this word, this wording is very important. Be reasonable, 
be clear, be age-appropriate, and consistently disciplined to that standard. So this gets into our instruction on the outline. Our instructions or standards or expectations should be reasonable and clear. Number one, reasonable, fair. God's laws or requirements are always reasonable and truly for our good. God doesn't just make up a bunch of superfluous laws to make life hard and miserable. That's not our God. He has good reason for his laws. And so we're not only disciplining in biblical things like lying and cheating and stealing, you know, those things we're disciplining our children, but also all of us have what we call might call house rules, ways we rule, run our house. Well, we shouldn't come up with a list of 50 things. We've got a few basic house rules that we have, and they're, they're, they're understandable, they're reasonable, they're fair. Um, our house, here's three of their basic rules. You obey mommy and daddy, quickly doing what I am told with a happy and submissive spirit. I don't know if the kids can still quote it, but they could quote it back when they were kids. So in our house, you obey mommy and daddy. Two, we had rules of cleanliness and orderliness, uh, personal hygiene, grooming, putting things away, toys that are put away. Um, this is good stewardship. We tried to teach good stewardship, responsibility for stuff. And it was balanced. It wasn't like you had to eat off the bathroom floor, but it was, there was some orderliness things. Three, respect for others, kindness, self-control with a good attitude. Um, those are just basic things that we put. So we need to be clear that our commands and rules and expectations are reasonable, not on a whim. Jeremy talked about they're not on a whim, just not flying by the seat of our pants. They're not arbitrary rules, but they have valid biblical reasons. I can defend, obey mommy and daddy, orderliness, good stewardship of our stuff, and respect for others. Those are very crystal clear, easy to be understood, and we can certainly explain them to our kids. Being reasonable means that, I put this on your outline, consider your child's ability and understanding. They are, they are not as the same as yours. He can't always do what you can. Be sure your expectations are age appropriate. Unrealistic, unreasonable expectations exasperate a child. So don't ask them to do more than they can do or explain to them more than they can understand. No. Allow a fair amount of time to do what you have asked. This depends on a child's age and maturity level. Again, be reasonable. It takes a three-year-old a lot longer to straighten up his bed than a 12-year-old. You're being age-appropriate, kind, reasonable. Only give as much instruction as a child can uh, digest. Please make your bed, put on your shoes, comb your hair, and come to breakfast might be fine to tell an eight or a nine-year-old, but maybe too much information all at once for a three-year-old. Again, you're being patient, you're being merciful as you challenge your child toward diligence and responsibility, right? So again, Jeremy talked about this early. You're getting fair, you're gonna be patient, you're gonna be reasonable, but then when those understandable, reasonable, clear instructions are defiantly disobeyed, then comes discipline. Okay, I'm going to move on quickly. Uh, so our expectations and instructions should be clear. And secondly, or reasonable, they should be clear. That's number two, clear. In other words, make sure your children clearly understand your instructions and expectations. Both the parent and child must clearly understand the requirements as well as the consequences. And, know, and ask, are you giving them a command 
or making a suggestion. We should be clear about this. Why is that? Because you must discipline your child if they're not obeying your commands, but you don't discipline them for suggestions that are not acted upon. For example, one of my son's name is Jordan, so I say, Jordan, please set the table for dinner. That's a command. A suggestion would be, Jordan, it would be nice if you set the table for dinner. And knowing Jordan, you go, yeah, it would be nice, but I'm not going to do it. So, but do I discipline Jordan for not setting? No, that was a suggestion. It wasn't a command. So say what you mean and mean what you say. Be a clear communicator. If you give a reasonable and clear command, you must be ready to give a consequence or a spanking if it is not obeyed. You must, be, you must clearly communicate your specific expectations to your child and make sure that they are understood by them. Again, your child must learn to pay close attention to your instructions. They must tune their ear to your voice and your commands. I have two suggestions to make here. This is on your notes. To ensure that your child heard your instructions and understood them, you might consider these two suggestions. One, require them to respond to your instructions with, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. That ensures they listen to you. Or two, it may also be helpful to ask your child to repeat the instructions to you. This can prevent misunderstandings. This ensures that they understood you. So, question, when should you discipline your child? Answer, when they, discipline, when they disobey in action or attitude your reasonable and clear instructions and requirements. This, of course, includes such things as lying, cheating, talking back, hitting, disrespect. Um, that is, you're, you're training your child in biblical character when they violate clear commands of the Bible. You must address that. And there's two forms in your outline, two for, basic forms of discipline. There's spankings or consequent, again, whatever term you want to use. Spankings, chastisement, or two, loss of privileges, mainly over, for older children. So spankings for the younger children, and the question often asked, how old should I spank? When should I stop spanking and give consequences, loss of consequence, or loss of privileges, excuse me. That's going to differ from child to child. I can't give a definitive age. Uh, we stopped spanking when our kids were 21, but um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a joke. Um, loss of privileges. On that, just, just know what is painful. Sometimes a spanking, something that's good about a spanking when the kids are little, it's, it's painful. I put this on your note. Discipline is only effective when it hurts. So our, whatever form of discipline, whether it's a spanking or loss of privilege, it should hurt. Now clearly here, this is what needs to be said. We are never to physically harm or injure our child. That is abuse. We are not promoting child abuse. But they, it should sting. I, and the kids would tell you, I used, they tell to this day, Daddy, we like Mommy spanking us more than we like you spanking us. Because I knew I had the I had the skill. I mean, I'm you know, and it hurt. Never they didn't have to go to the ER. There's no injury, but man, it hurt. That's what you're training. You're training them right. Disobedience hurts. Obedience blesses. And so, loss of privileges 
Just know what hurts. Don't, oh, uh, give some silly thing like, oh, you can't have cookies for dessert tonight. Well, that, that may affect them a little bit, but you say, we're going to take your cell phone. <gasps> you know, there's, you, you figure out what hurts. And, and, and again, even in your discipline, even in your consequences, you're being fair. The, the uh, penalty should fit the crime, so to speak. But nevertheless, it should hurt. Lastly, I'm going to go through this really quick, rapid fire. How should we discipline our children? Guidelines for chastisement, last page. Spanking should always be done, one, calmly. Never chastise in anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Never chastise in anger. You need to cool down. You take a time out. You go to the other room. Do not lay a finger on the love stick or paddle or whatever it is. You be careful. It's, a, it's hypocrisy to deal with our children's sin in a sinful manner. Two, do it carefully. Spanking should hurt or else don't even bother, in my opinion. Don't bother spanking through that thick uh, pants or whatever. But it should never, ever injure your child. Ch spanking is not child abuse. Three, consistently. A commitment to biblically chastise your child preempts lazy parenting. Spanking only when it's convenient or when you finally have had enough. Some parents have the had enough philosophy of spanking. I finally had it up to here. Now I'm going to spank. That is not biblical chastisement. Consistently, faithfully, over months and years doing this. It's hard work. It's time consuming. Four, do it communicatively. You need to talk to your child when you're administering discipline. Explain to them clearly why you are spanking them. They should have opportunity to express themselves and ask for forgiveness too. Chastisement should always be used as an opportunity to teach your children lessons about life, obedience, disobedience, helping them to avoid worse spankings later on in life, explaining to them their need for Jesus Christ. It should be a restorative time, a loving time. Number five, compassionately. This is an opportunity to express love for your child. God disciplines those whom he loves. We also discipline our children because we love them. If your chastisement is cold or harsh, it is not biblical. If you're just mad and upset and fed up, it's not biblical. Your heart needs to get right with that. It's good to give them a hug and embrace them after the spanking has been administered. And lastly, number six, closed quarters. I just use that because it's got a C. Closed quarters. Spank in private, never in public. Only spank in private, never in public. Biblical chastisement is not public humiliation. If you have company over, respectfully lead your child into the other room or a private part of the house. If you're in public, when they disobey, you're at the store, you're at church, wait until you get home, but remember to follow through when you get there. That's it, with one minute over. <laughs> Father, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us. You love us enough to give us loving fences around our lives, commandments to protect us and bless us. Thank you a thousand times over. Thank you for your loving, reasonable rules in life. Lord, help our families to mirror that, to love enough to have rules and, and standards and expectations that are reasonable and clear and blessed to our kids and to us. Lord, help us to be lathered and soaking in 
kindness and love and compassion and patience and mercy toward our children as we do administer correction to them and discipline. Lord, most of all, help us to have wisdom in reaching their hearts. Lord, ultimately it's you, but give us wisdom in our communication that we get to the to below the surface in all of our dealings in the area of discipline. And I pray lastly, Lord, for all my friends here that are listening to this, give them individual wisdom for their scenarios, for their children, their age frames, their seasons. Give them wisdom, Solomonic wisdom, to apply these principles, God. May they do it with, with love and with truth and with grace, but give them wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.